Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Now, I've been a fan of intermittent fasting ever since I dug into the research about three years ago, and I have personally had phenomenal success with intermittent fasting, especially for improving my energy, my insulin levels, my blood sugar levels, and most importantly, my brain function. Because I don't know about you, but as a mama and someone who runs a business and handles all the things all the time, I need a brain that works because when it doesn't work, oh man, it feels like I'm glitching, like there's like some kind of chip missing in my brain and it just throws me so off. And this is one of the reasons why I really love sticking with this because of how my brain is working. I love to fire on all cylinders. Now, before I dive into the three ways to make intermittent fasting easier for you, especially if you've never done it or you want to try it again because it was just really challenging that first time. I want to personally lay out what has been working for me and how I've been able to become more metabolically flexible using intermittent fasting as a tool, which has also helped me stabilize my blood sugar levels and most importantly, helped me to experience more sustainable energy and more sustainable brain function. Even during a time when my sleep has been severely on and off over the last year and a half while becoming a mama to Kingston. So here we go. Here is my typical week. So I typically fast 13 to 16 hours a day. Ideally, I do not eat three hours before bed, the very least two hours before bed. So that means we usually eat dinner before 6 p.m. Ideally, personally, I love to eat dinner around 5.30 p.m. Because what I learned when I wore a CGM is the later it got, the more insulin resistant I became. And that has everything to do with our circadian rhythms. So I have learned that if I can eat before 6 p.m., and again, there's a lot of wiggle room here, right? There's a lot of flexibility, especially with toddler. But ideally, we try to eat at 5.30. So that way, we can go for a walk before putting Kingston down for bed at 7 p.m. And I aim to be in bed by 10 p.m. and asleep around 10.30 p.m. So most days of the week, I am eating at least three hours before bed, sometimes even longer and that is such a big win, not only for stabilizing my insulin levels, but ensuring that my body can really go into restore and cleanup mode later on when I'm sleeping. And as we all know, this allows our brain to get a deeper cleaning via the glymphatic system. And when we have a big enough break between eating and bed, our brain can really devote that energy to clean up those proteins, those plaques, and that waste accumulated throughout the day. And this is super important, especially for long-term brain function down the line. Now in the morning, I typically get up around seven. And honestly, I just get up when Kingston gets up because he is my greatest and best alarm clock there is. I start my day with a big, big glass of belly slim down water. And this is actually when I take my thyroid medication. And this usually includes lemon, cucumber, and mint that's infused. I usually make it the night before. And then about 30 to 45 minutes later, I make an Americano with cinnamon. And then I head outside to walk to the beach stairs. I run five sets of stairs at the beach, the Grandview Beach Stairs before meditating, which my meditation is about 15 minutes long. And then I head home to do a quick 15 minute Peloton weight workout, sometimes a 20 minute. It just really depends on what I'm choosing. Like shout out to Jess Sims Flash 15. You know what I'm saying? So I will say that when I was wearing a CGM for the months that I've had it, 
I find that an Americano with a little bit of cinnamon does not shift my blood sugar levels. It doesn't do anything to them at all. My blood sugar still hovers in the morning around 75 milligrams per deciliter, which is an optimal morning range for general people. Definitely an optimal range for me. Sometimes I see as low as 70 milligrams per deciliter, but I typically don't see lower than that. And I always aim to work out in the morning to take advantage of my natural elevated cortisol levels, right? Our cortisol levels tend to be higher in the morning when they're in a good place. And I'm still in a fasting state, which also allows me to get into a fat burning mode and become more metabolically flexible. And that's super important because I know that as continue to saunter through perimenopause and into menopause, the more metabolically flexible I am, the better off I'm going to be, especially around my brain working properly. And you know, here's the deal. Like I had Kingston at an older age. I had him at 40 years old. And let's do the math, right? I want to be running around with him as a teenager. I just want him to see his mom with so much energy because I really want to model. I want to be the legacy for him as he gets older, right? That's so, so important to me. So then... I eat around 10 a.m., which puts me between a 15 and 16 hour fast. And this particular moment, my focus is protein, healthy fats, and carbs in the form of veggies. So my focus, again, after that workout is to aim for 30 plus grams of protein. Since I personally need approximately 85 to 100 grams of protein every single day. Again, I'm still breastfeeding, so I don't push my fasting window any further than that. And I'm really mindful to get all of the critical nutrients I need, including supplementation, so that I'm showing up for Kingston. I'm probably going to breastfeed him until he's two, which is going to be the end of the year. Now, some days it's a green smoothie protein shake with two scoops of my essentially whole vanilla or chocolate bone broth protein powder. Personally, I'm obsessed with the chocolate. It is so good. Other days, which is most of the days of the week, I really do prefer real food. And so I do leftovers from the night before. So this morning, I'll I'll share with you in a minute what I ate this morning. Now, I don't eat a carb-heavy breakfast or any carb-heavy breakfast foods or anything like that that will spike my blood sugar because I know that a blood sugar spike in the morning will likely cause more spikes during the day. I also take my morning supplements with my first meal. That's one of the reasons why I love green smoothies is because supplements are so easy to take with green smoothies. But again, I often opt for leftovers from the night before. Now, if you want to check out the best breakfast foods for boosting your metabolism, go back to literally earlier this week, Tuesday's episode, which was change your breakfast with these thermogenic foods for more energy all day long. That episode, ooh, I bring the business. And I really just put some truths on the table around breakfast and how we can just do the best we can in the morning to really set ourselves up for success. Now, my goal for the day is to focus again on protein, healthy fats, lots and lots and lots and lots of diverse veggies. I drink a lot of water, a lot of decaf teas. I actually have a decaf tea with me right here and then hot tea later in the night. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have an obsession with iced tea. I love hibiscus iced tea. I don't know if you know, but hibiscus is phenomenal for the cardiovascular system. So I'm a big fan. And I typically, I have like this big, big Yeti and I put half hibiscus tea in it, iced tea, 
And then I usually do the big glass Pellegrino bottles you can get from Costco, like the cases. I do half Pellegrino. I do a half squeeze of lime and a bunch of mint. And oh, I drink that all day long. It's like my favorite. I even take this drink to restaurants. I'm not going to lie because no restaurants make a sexy iced tea and I'm not drinking, you know, and I want something fun for the summer. So I bring my own Yeti glass to the restaurant. I'm not going to lie. And then my obsession at night to kind of make up for like any little snack or treat because I know how hard it is to not have late night snacks. I get it. Believe me, I'm in the same boat as you. It is hard. So I drink this Numi chocolate rooibos tea that is so, so good. Now, if you want my best smoothies and shake recipe, in case you were thinking to yourself like, man, that feels easy. One of my favorite recipes inside of the shake guide is my chocolate almond butter shake and hormone loving smoothie. This is probably Kingston's favorite too. And so I have my favorite recipes that are super easy to get. What I love about them is they're great for digestive support. They're great for boosting energy. They're great for stabilizing blood sugar. And then if you want to make it even like most of them are pretty, mostly just berries, but you can even make them less sweet and more of a protein shake too. You can just modify them a little bit. I will have the link in the, in the episode. And I also have recipes in my book, The EO Hormone Solution, a part of the 21 day makeover plan. I'm going to be mentioning that a little bit later as well. Now, I have found that maintaining this morning routine most days of the week sets me up for great success, but I don't intermittently fast every single day of the week. I am a big fan of listening to my body, and if I'm feeling really hungry in the morning or extra tired, I will break my fast earlier in the morning because at the end of the day, it is about listening and honoring your body and doing what's right for yourself. And the one thing that I don't do is eat after dinner. Now, I did mention that's hard, but this is because I really want to give my body the opportunity to fully repair at night. And I know that if I eat too late, it's going to be really challenging on my gut, my liver, and my brain to really have to work that off and my metabolism, right? I have seen what happens when I eat late on the CGM. It ain't pretty. I have a terrible fasting blood sugar the next day and it just wrecks my day for the whole day. So it's crazy. Numbers don't lie. When you see that on an app, on a graph, and you're just like, oh no, my body is like, "Uh uh-uh, when it comes to late night eating. And so I do really rely on the iced tea and the warm chocolate rooibos tea to really help me in those moments. And again, the more that we do intermittent fasting and we really eat robust, nutrient-dense meals, you're just not hungry later at night. I find that the late-night snacking thing, at least for me, is more of a habit. Like, it's crazy how quickly you can get into that habit. And I think that has a lot to do with probably dopamine. It becomes more of a kind of, I wouldn't call it an addictive habit, but definitely your brain gets used to it. But let me tell you, your metabolism does not like it at all for most of us. Okay, so now that I shared my, how I've integrated intermittent fasting into my routine on the daily and weekly, I want to quickly share the benefits that I've received from it and from my morning routine as well. And the reason why I focus on my morning routine is it's, it makes the biggest difference. Like if there was a difference maker for you, it is your morning because it sets a tone for your blood sugar, your metabolism, your energy, your mindset, and your focus. I want you to guard your morning routine so fiercely, so fiercely, like you guard appointments, like you guard your family, right? When we talk about becoming the CEO of your health, this is it right here. This is the moment. Your morning routine is the difference maker for your day, your health, and your life. That I know 
for sure. Because, you know, if there was anywhere that you've got wiggle room to shift and change that will just catapult you into that next level, it's going to be your morning. Now, by incorporating intermittent fasting into my evening and morning routines, as I mentioned before, I have an, an astounding more amount of energy. I feel an enhanced sense of focus and alertness. And one of the benefits that was just so ancillary was that I feel more creative. I am more creative during the day and I'm not sluggish at all. And also, by the way, as a side note, because again, numbers don't lie, my labs, they look spectacular. I'm just going to just get right into my lab because I really want to share this. My HDLs and LDLs are in optimal range. My triglycerides are 55 milligrams per deciliter, which is great. My blood sugar levels are between 75 milligrams per deciliter and 82 milligrams per deciliter. And when I eat on average, my blood sugar only goes up to around 95 milligrams per deciliter, which is fantastic. See, anything under 110 milligrams per deciliter is great. That means your body is not experiencing major blood sugar spikes and crashes, and your metabolism is so happy, happy and humming and stable, which is not always the case for me. Like I mentioned, as I've shared before, I don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to flattening my glucose curve, and I am very conscious about implementing strategies to keep it level. Intermittent fasting is one of the best strategies out there, and after finding out that I have a big genetic precursor to type 2 diabetes, I wanted to figure out a way to really stabilize my blood sugar, and intermittent fasting, supplementation, walking, removing inflammatory foods have been the ticket, and so much of this really lands in my morning routine. Honestly, I have been amazed at my results so far and will continue to find that sweet spot for myself over the years to come. It's so great when you kind of get your baseline, like you know what is optimal for your body, whether it's a workout or it's what you eat, when you eat, how you eat, it is meditation or it's journaling, whatever it may be, like you start to feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm in a sweet spot right now. But then you start to tweak it and optimize it based on, you know, kind of that baseline, that that grounding point. There's just so much to play with there. And so my goal for you is to always like, what are your non-negotiables for you and your health? And then figure out what that baseline is for you when you start to feel really good, right? Your brain is working well. You've got energy throughout the day. Your mood is good. You're not snapping at people. Like you just feel even, right? You feel good. You feel energized. Your body feels good. And then you can start to tweak it, especially as we start continue to navigate, not only through cycling hormones with our monthly cycle, but then as we move into perimenopause and beyond. As women, we're constantly changing and fluctuating. So it's a matter of really figuring out that sweet spot for ourselves and then really adjusting it and tweaking it. And so that's what I'm doing. That's kind of where I'm at right now in this journey is I'm adjusting and tweaking based on this really great kind of good grounding point. All right, so here's the current research points that I just want to point out when it comes to the benefits of intermittent fasting. We're learning more and more about its, its really su big support around metabolic health. So we know that it helps to control blood sugar. It lowers insulin. It makes insulin more sensitive. It enhances metabolic flexibility, which that has been a big win for me. Fights inflammation, enhances heart health, weight loss and management, prevention of chronic conditions like dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, those types of conditions, understandably, even cancers, enhances sustainable energy, right? Which is one of the big ones for me. Now, if you want to dive deeper into the research, I definitely recommend checking out episode 278. 
intermittent fasting for better focus, energy, and overall brain function. I go deep into the research there, specifically around energy, metabolic flexibility, blood sugar control, mood support, and brain function. So that is that episode. Now, now that I've shared my experience, let's dive into the three ways to make intermittent fasting easier for you. Like many healthy lifestyle changes, it's not always easy to implement intermittent fasting, especially if you're trying it for the first time or you've tried it before and it just simply didn't work for you, right? So if you are considering intermittent fasting for the first time or you're jumping back into it, I recommend taking it slow. Always, anytime you're doing something, especially when it comes to your health, you know, I want to ease into it because your body is used to a certain kind of way. So you want to ease into that. Again, everything with as much grace as possible. So start with a 12-hour fast, right? This is what I call the circadian fast. You start with that 12-hour fast. So let's say you finish dinner at 7 p.m. Well, then you break your fast at 7 a.m. So it's basically a little bit, you know, if you're sleeping eight hours, it's a couple more hours on the other side of that. And then you can slowly work your way up to a 13 to 15-hour fast, two to four days a week. Again, you can even do these a couple days a week. Also, there's a lot of other ways to intermittent fast. I personally find just shortening my eating window is just the easiest thing for me to do. But you may find that there are other intermittent fasting strategies that you really love. I'm not going to get into those today. I'm just going to kind of share what a lot of people choose, which is just shortening that eating window to maybe 10 hours or nine hours or eight hours. Now, based on how your body responds, continue to make modifications that work best for you. And please note that it's equally important to focus on foods that will heal your body and support stable blood sugar. Both equally matter, right? So I am not a fan, and I know you know this already, and you're having your eight-hour window and then just eating whatever you want in that eight-hour window. That is not, uh uh-uh. That ain't going to work. That's not going to support your gut. That's not going to protect your liver. That's definitely not going to support your blood sugar levels, right? There's something to be said about having a smaller window. One may argue that you have some wiggle room there but you've not not on a by not on a cellular level not on a like an overall holistic level we really always it's what you put in your body when you break that fast matters just as much as the fast itself i would say it matters even more now here are three ways to set yourself up for success when applying intermittent fasting to your life and to your body number one Before you start fasting, make sure your last meal was high in protein and low in sugar or refined carbs. That way you don't activate that killer craving center in your brain. This is especially true at night. You know, how often have you wanted to start intermittent fasting, but you ate a heavy carb dinner or you had a late night snack or a dessert and you found yourself super hungry late night or you found yourself super hungry the next morning, right? It just makes it so hard. And that's because of that blood sugar roller coaster. And you're more, there are two times where you're really apt to get on the blood sugar roller coaster early in the morning sets the tone for your day, but also late at night. Like if you eat that, that cinnamon roll, you know, with some ice cream late at night, Ooh, I've seen it on the CGM. I know it's going to show up and it's going to deregulate you starting the next day. And it's just going to be so hard to try to intermittent fast into the next morning. Oh, and this is what I recommend. So if your meal has adequate amount of protein, you're going to fill, you're going to fill fuller longer. It's going to set you up for success for that 12 plus hour fast. Again, it's so important to get a sufficient amount of protein. I recommend 0.75 to one gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. For instance, a woman weighing 130 pounds and has a lean body mass of 100 pounds, I recommend between 80 and 100 grams of protein per day. Okay, number two, when you break your fast with your first meal of the day, no matter when that is, break your fast with a savory meal with protein, healthy fats, and fiber. Do not focus on a sugar-focused meal or 
comp or a refined carbohydrate and starches meal because your first meal of the day, as I've said it before, sets the tone for your metabolism for the rest of the day. And if you end up starting your day with a croissant or a bagel with cream cheese or toast and butter, you're going to find yourself on a sugar roller coaster and it's going to just mess up the rest of the day. It's going to be so hard to kind of get this going. So look for some amazing blood sugar hormone recipes that are going to be, you know, really helping to support you. If you would love some, I've got an incredible amount of blood sugar and hormone loving recipes in the Eomenopause Solution book. Not only do I have a sexy 21-day hormone makeover program, but I also give you a ton of recipes that are going to knock your socks off and a food shopping guide. Like I've got a whole yes and no, well, I got a yes food shopping guide. And then I also have the no foods too. So I make it super easy. And the recipes that I personally use every single week, which are in this beautiful book in the recipes is we make a lot of turkey meatballs with spaghetti squash and pesto. And we'll swap the turkey meatballs for lamb meatballs and spaghetti squash and pesto. I make a lot of iced matcha lattes, grilled halibut and strawberry avocado salsa, and my Mexican chopped salad as well. And these are some of my favorite summer recipes. We actually just made the halibut last night and it was so good. And let me tell you, Kingston is obsessed with the strawberry avocado salsa. And it really is just strawberries avo for us, right? Um, tomatoes, cilantro. That's kind of our little version of it. Um, now, if you don't have a copy of the book yet, mm, go and get it. There'll be a link with the book and bonuses because I got a lot of sexy bonuses to go with this book. They will also be in the show notes for this episode. And that leads me to number three, remove snacking, especially late night. I know I've already been talking about late night snacking. I've been teen you up for this conversation of number three. Again, late night snacking is so challenging when you're trying to begin intermittent fasting. And especially when it comes to trying to keep those blood sugar levels stable and to keep those killer cravings at bay. So this one is so key because snacking is both a habit and it's potentially due to being on the blood sugar roller coaster. As you know, I'm a big fan of three meal magic because we really need to give our bodies a break between meals and a good break between meals during the day is about four to five hours, right? Between breakfast and lunch, lunch and dinner, you know, again, figuring out that sweet spot for you. But especially when it comes to late night snacking, there are so many negative side effects on the body, sleep issues, insulin resistance, mood issues, waking up, starving the next day, deregulated blood sugar, and it doesn't allow the body to properly rest, restore and clean up shop while you're sleeping. This is the one thing I recommend, right, is to eat your last meal three hours before bed. This is going to make a huge difference. And ideally, make your dinner as early as possible to fit into your circadian rhythm. Now, do you need all three of these strategies to create success with intermittent fasting? Mm -mm. No, you don't. The goal here is to create as much ease and grace as you shift your eating window so that you are able to balance that blood sugar, able to create that metabolic flexibility and experience enhanced energy, mood, and focus. Especially right now, if you are struggling with the lagging energy, if you're struggling with those killer cravings and you're feeling hungry all the time, right? Those are three major indicators that it is time to just switch things up. And even if you're not ready to do intermittent fasting, these three tips, right, of focusing on nutrient-dense meals, also setting the tone for a savory breakfast in the morning and not snacking, you don't have to intermittent fast and you could just implement these three strategies and it would make all the difference for you. 
So now that you've got everything that you need to really create success with intermittent fasting, I'd love to hear how it goes. Like if you're going to give it a try, let me know. And if there's someone in your life that is thinking about it right now, pass this episode along for them so that they have the three keys to making intermittent fasting easy for them too. Thank you so much for listening in on the Essentially You podcast. This show is all about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. I mean, that's what it's really about. Now, if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this today, take a moment, screenshot the episode, send it on over to them or share it on social. You know, you can find me on Instagram. If you do share it on social, hashtag hormone CEO. Until the next episode, I will see you then.